This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today, we'll be talking about how so many employees are struggling these days and about how their managers might help. I'm pleased to welcome back our guest, Laura Hamill. She's a psychologist and she's passionate about supporting workers. Laura is a leader at LimeAid. That's a software company that helps its clients promote employee engagement and well-being. Today, Laura will tell us about LimeAid's new employee care study. It looks at how the pandemic is affecting stress and burnout in the workplace. And we'll talk about ways that managers can provide more support to their team members and take better care of themselves at the same time. Laura, thanks so much for uh, coming back to Jazz About Work. I know there's a lot to talk about it, and oh my goodness, hasn't there been a lot of change? When we spoke oh, a little less than a year ago, we had a very optimistic talk about ways to make workplaces more engaging and fulfilling for people, and now so much has been happening. How, how are you doing, and what are you doing with the... Uh, the new world of the pandemic. Oh yes. Well, thank you so much, Beverly. It's I'm so excited to be, you know, back here with you again. And yeah, gosh, how could so much has changed, right? How could we ever even have predicted what this year was going to be like? It's almost surreal. Um, so definitely we've been up to so much. There are so many things going on. I guess I could just start with um our company. So at Limeade, and I, I think you know this, but Limeade's an employee experience company. We've been really focusing a lot on um, the employee experience of our customers and the employees of our customers, right? So since the pandemic has started, we've really been helping our customers use our technology to support their employees through fear and stress and burnout, loneliness, uncertainty, uncertainty, all this that we're experiencing. Um, and I've also been focused a lot on our own employees at Limeade, um, my team, and really myself. Um, so really a lot of the same themes that everybody else is experiencing, I feel like I'm experiencing, my team is experiencing, our company is experiencing. How do we support each other, right, during all of this emotional whiplash that we're experiencing. You know, how do I support myself? And definitely I realized it's not through the Sauvignon Blanc and the heavy carbs that I was using at the beginning of the pandemic, that that's not the way to support myself through this. So I really, you know, kind of come to some conclusions. And this is what we really believe through science too, which we'll share some more with you about, but that we just need to focus on caring about people as human beings and what that comes down to are there kind of three components of that listening I mean like really listening to each other um, having some more compassion for each other and even empathy and then actively supporting people right and taking some real action making some real changes so 
that idea of care and authentically caring about people is really what I've been focused on, what our company has been focused on. And, you know, I'll just give you a little example. And this is, again, I, I truly believe that the things that we intend to do for others, we have to do for ourselves first. And yeah, and so one area where I've been really focusing is this, this idea of self-compassion. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of times in leadership roles, we think, oh, that's about being too easy on yourself or, you know, giving yourself a break when something bad happens. But what, you know, there's some really great research by Kristen Neff on this, this topic of self-compassion. It really has so much more to do with setting yourself up to be able to deal with the issues, to be able to be resilient, to be able to address things and grow and get better as a manager or leader or, you know, just human being by being kind to yourself and realizing that you're not in it alone, that there's like, we're all going through this together and that we just really have to be kind of more mindful about what's, what we're going through. So that's just an example of one of the things I've been focusing on during this just crazy time. You know, I, I like the theme of self-compassion. I hadn't thought about it, but when you put these uh, first, your list of three and then self-compassion in, in the same paragraph, practically, it strikes me that those three or dealing with other people, with your employees, are, are how you um, manage self-compassion. First, listening. That might mean listening to yourself through journaling, yeah. through counseling, through um, self-awareness exercises. And then compassion to yourself is about being kind to yourself yeah. in a way that you would to another person and action is you know doing things to make things better so so your list of 3 seems to work on how we manage ourselves as as well as how we lead other people is that right exactly that's exactly what i've been working on and practicing it's not easy all the time um and it's interesting how sometimes it can be harder to be good to yourself or kind to yourself than it is to be that way to other people you know, uh, you mentioned um, yourself as a manager and, and your focus on your your employees and your clients' employees. That reminds me of something that I've been seeing a lot in coaching. I tend to um, coach a lot of um, leaders and middle managers, and um, I, I see them agonize about doing more to help and support their employees as they're going through this very difficult time. And the the danger that I see for managers is that they truly are focused on others, which actually can be a good way of dealing with your own problems because it gets your mind elsewhere and, 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 and that compassion for others can help you. But I, I see managers um, trying to take responsibility for things they don't have any control over. And they're sometimes really in a squeeze, aren't they? They, they, yeah. they care very much about helping others, but sometimes managers forget about self-compassion. Completely. And really just seeing how in the middle they often are, right? With trying to navigate the stuff that's coming from above and the real concerns that are coming from below. And they're the, the person in the middle who, who really struggles with this. Um, and do we always, as organizations, help those managers have those tools or even the permission to focus on caring about their employees? And so, yeah, I really think the manager is an important place for us to start. Well, let's let's talk about um, 
the managers and uh, what they're facing and tools that might help them. But um, to, to, to frame it, I'm, I was very intrigued uh, to um, uh, read your uh, LimeAid's 2020 Employee Care Report. This is a uh, a big study you've done. You've talked to lots of folks, it sounds out, about burnout. Can you tell us a little bit about that study? And then maybe we can focus in on what it might uh, uh, offer to managers and, and what tools it might suggest. Absolutely. Um, so the employee care report, to me, it's really, it's such an important priority right now for us to be talking about the idea of caring about our employees. And probably for the obvious reason, right? Because our employees are just desperate for it. It's glaring. It's right in front of us. There's just a deep human need right now with so much fear and chaos um, and that our employees are just looking for some calm and some comfort and some decency. So it's the thing that's right in front of our faces. And that's why we so wanted to, to do this work. Um, but maybe less obvious to many people is that the science really supports this idea of companies caring about their employees. So it's a construct or an approach from a science perspective that's called organizational support theory. It's been really broadly studied. It's just this idea that, you know, when companies actively support and reinforce and encourage their employees, you just get better people and business results. So sometimes, sometimes organizations don't know there's some really great science behind this. And we, in this research study, um, really aligned with this idea. And we found a lot of different findings, but a couple high level ones um, that when employees feel that their company cares about them, they're 10 times more likely to recommend their company as a great place to work. They're nine times more likely to stay at that company. Um, and they're two times as likely to be engaged at work. So really some interesting kind of fundamental ideas here and to get to your point, though, on the manager piece in this particular study, we dug into the manager role. And this is where there's a really important disconnect that we are seeing between what managers think they're doing and then how it's actually landing with employees. So I'll jump into maybe a couple of those statistics. First, and probably not surprisingly, burnout is way up since the pandemic started. So it pre-pandemic was at 42% and now it's at 72%. And I'm, I'm, I know we're not surprised about that. So I have my idea about burnout, but, uh, and all of our, us have ideas sometimes based on our own experience, but for purposes of, of the study and, and, and kind of yeah. the tools and um, uh, consulting you do, What's your definition of burnout and what kind of burnout have we been seeing recently? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for asking that. So burnout is when a person has been deeply engaged in their work for so long with such intensity that their well-being really suffers. And we at Limeade build off the great work of Christine Maslock, where burnout is characterized by exhaustion, cynicism and inefficacy, meaning that you're so tired that you're depleted. Really, a good night's sleep just doesn't solve it. And from a cynical perspective, you're, you're emotionally disconnecting from your relationships. You actually kind of become toxic. So this is when um, 
you see employees start to criticize customers or coworkers or leaders of the organization. And then finally, this inefficacy idea, it's like just not feeling like you're making a difference. What's the point? Why do I try so hard? So burnout is, is a, a topic that's actually been quite well studied. And the thing that's important for us to remember is the people that care most about the company, that they're willing to sacrifice everything in their life for it, those are the people who are burning out. And aren't those really the people we want to keep, right? So burnout's a big deal. Um, and that's why we, we focused on it so much in this study. And so looking at that big gap from, what was it, 42 to 72% of people, yeah. um, is there... Um, are, are you noticing uh, measurable differences in the way people are experiencing burnout now that their options for dealing with it are more limited? What what did the study suggest about what burnout looks like in 2020? For sure. I think w- one of the areas we were really interested in is do people who are feeling these levels of burnout, do they really feel like their organization is supporting them? So that was something that I we dug into. And what we found is that managers absolutely care about burnout. So we had um, one of the findings was 84% of the managers felt felt at least somewhat responsible for their team's burnout, right? They care about it, but their efforts really seem to be falling flat. What we saw is that only 55% of employees think that their company cares about their well-being. And kind of coupling that, while 70, I think 71% of our managers said that they agree or somewhat agree that one-on-one meetings with their direct reports have focused more on well-being, only 33% of employees said the same thing. So there's something really interesting in, in here. Our intentions from a manager and leader perspective are not meeting up with what is actually being felt with our employees. So where I go is, gosh, what's missing here? Why is there a gap between what we think we're doing in terms of supporting our employees and then what's actually happening? So are we are we really listening to our employees? Is it landing? You know, why is it feeling flat? And, you know, I I th- I worry that many managers to your point earlier are so busy. They have so many things going on. They're caught in the middle <laughs> that they they're maybe checking the box, right? They they spend the first 5 minutes of a one-on-one saying, "How how are you doing?" and then they don't maybe really listen. They don't act on it. There's not a lot of authenticity in it. Um so I really believe this is an area that, you know, managers and leader, leaders can do, you know, something about this today. And I think one important point, you know, just like we, it was important for us to talk about what the definition of burnout is, I think it's important to understand something about well-being. Um, and well-being is inherently subjective, meaning I can look at you and what I think is going on in your life and what I see, you know, what I see you um, kind of experiencing in your life. And I can make some assumptions about your well-being, but they're almost always wrong. Right. I, I can't I can't know your well-being. It's only for really you to say. So you might feel like one of the employees on your team, oh gosh, she's doing fine now because I know she just got child care. And I know child care was the, you know, the biggest thing that was really bothering her. Um, but gosh, I think that's short-sighted, right? To kind of stop at that and look at it at the surface level. 
what I would dig into is like, how is she handling the stress? What else is going on in her life? Does she feel valued? Does she feel a sense of purpose? You know, we really have to have trust and care with your employees to be able to understand what's really happening with their well-being. So definitely have to move beyond surface level, beyond just, you know, asking a question at the beginning of our one-on-ones. So this reminds me of um, research that uh, says that the vast majority of managers in certain studies uh, believed that they were giving um, a great deal of positive reinforcement, of praise, of appreciation to their employees. And the same in the same places, only about a third of the employees felt like they were getting praise and appreciation and getting noticed. There's, there's a classic disconnect there. And I think maybe um, what you're suggesting is there's something similar here. If it's, if you just say in an, uh, an unconscious way, good job. And no, don't focus on the specifics or listen to what the employees themselves are worried about. That isn't perceived as praise or positive. You have to start with listening to the employee and really focusing in for praise to work. And it feels like authenticity is required also if you're expressing interest and concern. Is that correct? Completely. That's exactly what I'm saying is that there, there needs to be something much deeper than just doing a, you know, a quick check in question, or making assumptions that they have childcare, and that's all that, you know, that all all is necessary during this time, the authenticity, that really, truly, you know, caring and connecting with people. Um, is exactly what needs to happen. Yeah, no surprise, right, that there's a similarity between those two ideas. Sometimes with uh, clients, uh, with people who are having, who are saying they really care, but they can't seem to get it across, I suggest, um, like, before you're having this conversation with an employee and you want them to, to know you care, pause a little bit before you open your mouth and try to summon up a feeling of concern and affection and interest. You know, mm-hmm. feel the emotion yes. uh, before you start to speak. And somehow that, adds the authenticity and the the person you're speaking to can get a sense that there really is some emotion there. And even though the words are the same, the impact is entirely different. And that's the compassion piece, right? Like, and I think I start with compassion, right? With the, just this idea of that, you know, I, I, I really, it matters to me what you're experiencing, right? And, but to be able to actually move to empathy and feel that, too, of feel what somebody's going through is obviously a little more evolved. But yeah, it's and that's the human part of this, right? Of like human to human, I see you and I hear what you're going through and I feel for you. Um, and that can't be faked, right? Or people try to fake it, but it's but employees can see right through that when it's not real. And um, I, I completely am with you that that is such an important part of this whole thing. And it's and it and again, I don't want people to fake it. I want people to really understand and to see human beings and to see, um, you know, how important they are to our organizations and really to you know, connect with them on this deeper level. We'll be back with Bev 
after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. Something else that seems to be happening um, in the midst of all this pressure and anxiety and sometimes overwork is that problems that were already there are being exacerbated or solutions are being knocked off track. Diversity and inclusion is more complicated. Uh, Efforts to get women moving to the top are really struggling because this seems to be hitting women more. It's, it's, It's all a lot harder now, isn't it? Completely is. And it's so hard because we're going through like multiple crises at the same time, right? Um, so obviously, in addition to COVID, so many organizations are really finally kind of facing the racial injustice issues and police pr- brutality in ways that they never did before, right? So in some ways, there is this silver lining that so many of our diversity and inclusion efforts are have been reinvigorated. And it seems like some companies are really doing some important, like authentically, <laughs> authentically have committed to improving in this area. But gosh, I'm with you. It's it's hard not to see the additional stress that people of color, especially Black women, are experiencing right now because of being, you know, disproportionately impacted by COVID, because of all the awful, awful violence that we, you know, just continue to see. So it's really mixed what's what's happening. I feel like there's some good things that are happening in, t- in terms of the reinvigoration, but there's way more stress in the system. And so there's a lot more we, we really need to do to listen to our employees, to care about our employees um, now because of that too. You think about your clients or other companies you've had contact with through this survey or whatever. Can you point to situations where companies are making progress, whether it's with diversity or inclusion or dealing with burnout. Are there some are there some good examples out there that the rest of us can learn from? Yeah, you know, there are lots of good examples that we're seeing from our customers um, of just ways that they're trying to do this authentic connection, this authentic humanity, right? And so we're seeing some of our customers really work hard on listening to their employees and doing that in really systematic ways um, and then showing their employees what they're doing <laughs> with what they heard. You know, um, I also think one of the the more human things I've seen is how much some of our companies are trying to connect the leaders of the organization with the employees and really showing leaders in human ways through, you know, videos and pictures of, you know, 
leaders being human beings and having, you know, struggling with things right now too. So um, I also, you know, at the most and more fundamental level, I've just been pretty impressed with how many of our customers have been really supporting the kind of COVID related issues during this time. Um, Not only, you know, connecting people with data and CDC guidelines and things like that, but also how to make, you know, how to communicate building closures and steps they want them to take and, you know, really practical measures and acknowledging the stress. You know, I think that's one of the things that I've seen many of our customers do is just really acknowledge the stress that's happening during this time and helping their employees through that, right? With real, simple, practical tools, things to do um, at home, things to do during the day, and giving people some permission to just acknowledge it and work through it. So I think there's this whole, with COVID, um, I think there's this whole new appreciation for caring about the emotional well-being of our employees. And I think that's a great you know, another one of those great silver linings, another one of those areas that I hope we will not, you know, when we get on the other side of this, when we see this through, you know, of course, it'll be different, but I'm hoping there's another, you know, the other side is that we will absolutely keep that part of it, right, around having the emotional well-being of our employees as something that we care about and we're working on as, as organizations. Sharing expressions of emotion and being yeah. comfortable hearing expressions of emotion is an area where people are making progress. Yeah. And it's partly sometimes that you're Zooming and you're seeing each other's homes and the dog is barking or the baby's crying. And we've all, all kinds of people have learned to not be so stuffy and to accept people for who they are, where they are, and to connect at a different level. So that. Hopefully, you know, some of that will last, even when people are no longer um, doing it on Zoom. Completely, completely agree. Um, And I hope that, I definitely hope that carries over. And with just this idea of you, you don't have to be perfect, right? I think that's a, that's a interesting kind of overlay to all of this is that we as human beings aren't all always having to be buttoned up and perfect that we are human that we have things that some are messy sometimes and actually when we get to know that part of people it's it's more interesting it's more it's more fun right it's more um you connect with people more when you don't have this belief that you know oh i'm the only one who doesn't have my act together or i'm the only one who's not perfect and i think that's that is sort of what one of the pieces um one of the things we've learned during this time. Else that seems to me to be happening in a lot of places is that the stress around time and the difficulty of getting things done has helped people to really focus in what really matters to the organization. And a lot of this is how we've always done it, or you got to do it my way or the highway, all of those kind of attitudes just don't hold up. There seems to be um, more clarity around what's essential and more forgiveness about what's not. That it's not you have to spend eight hours a day uh, following directions. It's more like 
you got to really knock it out of the park, even if it takes you four hours. And then let's relax a little bit. Right. Yeah, completely. I think you're right. That kind of forcing factor of what what do we really just have to get done here? I'm fascinated by how when, again, on the other, hopefully on the other side of this, how we're going to carry that over. I mean, it it takes something really simple like business travel. Um, I'm super curious around sales meetings and expectations around being face to face in sales meetings. When you realize, wait, some of these meetings are actually better if we do them over video. Um, it, and it, you don't, you don't have so much wasted time traveling across the country for them too. And so, yeah, I'm with you on. There has been kind of this forcing factor on just what's the most essential, um, the kind of essentialism idea that I think is is really important for us. I want to change gears now a little bit and ask you a totally different question. Since we talked almost a year ago, there has been a huge growth in the trend of using artificial intelligence or simple surveys or other kinds of tools for getting feedback from employees, for regularly doing check-ins. So the manager doesn't have to do it all. Um, Lots of people are using different kinds of tools. And I've just chatted with different people trying to to get a sense of how that's working and i find some people really like it they like they like the a chance to comment uh, with anonymity and and at their own time and th- they truly believe it comes out of concern i heard other people say oh they really hate it it's just one more task instead of really taking care of us they're giving us more work to do we've got to fill out these forms What's the state of play? What are the what are the trends about using survey instruments and how is that going just across the country? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I and I am I, I'm an organizational psychologist, right? And one of my areas of specialty is actually survey development, assessment development and validation. So I'm I'm that person who creates those surveys. And I I am a measurement person. I love a good survey. But I think it's it's just crazy. It's crazy to me how this whole field has really evolved. In fact, it's pretty messed up if you you know really want my bottom line opinion on it. It somehow we've made it more about taking the survey and even response rates to the survey than about what we are actually doing to improve the thing we're measuring. Um, And you look at any big, large company, you can see that there's all these processes and systems around, you know, the actual survey questions and response rates. And there's almost no rigor, no process around how we actually improve the topic in question. So let's say it's an employee engagement survey. Almost nothing in place for how we improve that. And if you, you know, if you a simple kind of example of this is if you type employee engagement into the Google search bar, you're just going to get a bunch of survey vendors, right? There, there's all these vendors that come up that tell you how to do a really great survey. There really aren't companies that actually help you improve employee engagement. So I think it's it's all backwards. It really is. We should be having way more emphasis on taking action and improving employee engagement, improving the employee experience. And that's why we do a good survey, not be, not just to do a good survey. So I think if more employees really felt like 
actions being taken. Like it's about the thing we're trying to improve. It's not about these survey crazy actions we're taking around the survey that we'd get way more people excited about participating. So you've probably heard the idea. It's not about survey fatigue. It's about inaction fatigue, right? That I give all this feedback and nothing ever happens. So yeah, I, I feel pretty strongly about that one. We're nearing the end here. So action is a, is a good uh, theme to, to end at always. <laughs> so um, let's say you or somebody on your team, your manager, and you really do care passionately about your people. And you um, also are aware that you need to take care of yourselves. What are some action steps you can take? And what I'm really saying is our listeners out there are maybe looking for something they can do today to either feel better or to help other people to feel better. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of at a framework level, I, I will kind of go back to that idea of just authentic care, right? So the idea of listening and really, really listening, the compassion and empathy piece, and then the action part of it. So um, I think that's the framework to use with your team. But as we were just saying, it is the framework to use for yourself. And we were talking before about how do you really listen to yourself, you know, listen to your emotions. I'd also throw in there, listen to your body, it's amazing to me how your body is sending you messages all day long about what's really going on and how often we don't listen to that. Um, for example, I have my lower back hurts right now. It's I've been sitting for about five days straight and I need to listen to that lower back pain and walk around a little bit more. But I think we tend not to listen to ourselves. We talked a bit about this self-compassion piece already. But I think that action piece, so real things that you could do today to improve your well-being, um, you know, I think there's this stuff that we all know, right? We should we should go take a walk today. We should we should breathe more. Maybe some people could even take a nap or read a good book. Um, but what I would like to throw out there is something. It's what I'm really doing to to take action in my own life and improve my well-being and. This has a lot to do with this idea of positive psychology. And so positive psychology is really the, the area of study around understanding um, how to have a high quality of life. And what I do with this is it's really a practice for me is how do you take these concepts? And some of them are things like optimism, purpose, resilience gratitude, um, mindfulness, self-efficacy, these concepts that we sort of hear individually being studied, you know, you'll see, read an article on how important gratitude is. Well, I actually use them more as tools in my toolbox. I use different combinations of them all day long, and I really work on and practice them. So, you know, how can I reframe this problem that just came my way or this thing that's worrying me? How can I think about that a little bit differently? How can I have, um, you know, reconnect in stronger ways with my purpose today? Like what's something I can do in my work that fills that purpose cup? Um, how can I create more of a gratitude orientation versus a, you know, simple kind of transactional approach to gratitude, just more generally feeling gratitude? So 
I would throw out there to people that these are things that I call activators, like life activators. You can decide today to grab a hold of one of those and just think a little bit differently about your life. And those are the things that are much more meaningful in terms of impacting your overall sense of joy and your sense of you know just living like living a really high quality life. So those practices are the things that I definitely work work on and um you know that is that is my hope that more and more people are on this journey and we've been forced this year I think sort of thinking about what we've been talking about around all the things that have happened this year we've really been forced to try to find the things that work for us that help us make it through and help us you know really you know get to the other side and so for me those are some of the things that that I've been practicing I think um kind of a shortcut way of coming up with my own formula is when in doubt, when you don't know what to do, you've got two levers. One is kindness and the other is gratitude. You look around and Mm -hmm. see if there's a way to do something kind in the immediate future or pause a bit and summon up a sense of gratitude for something that's going on in your life. Completely agree. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Laura. I'm glad that you are all studying and looking and finding the lessons from this very difficult time. I think another silver lining is that we're, it's like we have this workshop for studying burnout and um, stress. And I I think people are coming up with solutions and, and perhaps we're in a transition to a a more caring workplace. I certainly hope so. And I know you're going to be part of the movement going in that direction. Definitely. This is what I care deeply about. I'm so with you. It is a movement. And I think with all of our efforts, we're going to make progress against it, right? Terrific. I agree. Thank you so much, Laura. (laughs) Thank you so much, Beverly. Appreciate it. Today, we've been talking with psychologist Laura Hamill about addressing the epidemic of workplace burnout. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's tip is that if you really care about how someone is doing, you might want to let them know. People may feel better when they sense you're truly interested, and you'll feel better too. Thanks for joining us today, and if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends.